Amen. Thanks, Bob. It was, it was one of those life-changing moments. One of those days that started just like an ordinary day, but, but turned into an extraordinary, life-changing day. I had no idea what was coming later that afternoon. How could I? You've been there before. You've had one of those days before. Ordinary days that have extraordinary consequences. Those days that turn out amazing in a ways that you didn't anticipate and don't immediately comprehend. This was one of those days for me. I was living in the dorm at Texas Tech University. And I was walking down the foyer to go to dinner, just like I did every day. I rarely skip a meal. And there she was, sitting, waiting for her friends to come down to dinner as well. And I still don't know why I did it, but I sat down next to her and we started to talk. Now, we knew each other, but we'd never really had much of a conversation before. This was our first real conversation. And, and that evening was a, a Wesley dance. And uh, she asked if I was going, and I said, yeah, I, I was. And she said, could I get a ride? And I said, of course, no problem. And the rest, as they say, is history. That was day one. Day one of now 26-year history. And it started with a conversation. Most relationships do. They start with a conversation. And their health is built on conversation. Now, fortunately for me, my wife was a communications major in college. And she excels at conversation. I, on the other hand, did not major in communication. I majored in accounting. And accounting majors are not known for their stellar conversational abilities. And mine were not that stellar at that time. And she has spent the past 26 years teaching me about communications. And at times I have been a willing student. And at other times I've been drug along kicking and screaming. But we have built a life around learning how to communicate. How to fight. How to know each other's needs and to have mutual trust and affection. Communication is essential for all relationships. And it takes work. Those of you who are married, you know this. And all of us desire good, healthy relationships with our spouses. With our friends. We desire that with our family and especially with God. And today and for the rest of April, we're looking at this desire that all humanity yearns for. To hear from God. To communicate with God. To know the voice of God and to grow in relationship with God. How can we, in the midst of our crazy, busy lives, adjust the volume so that we can hear God? Last week we looked at the Bible. And the recognition that God primarily speaks through his word. That's his primary way of speaking to us. And we need to, what we talked about, consume the Bible. To eat this word. To make it a part of who we are. And I also reminded us of the incredible gift that it is. That the God of the universe, hear this. The God of the universe desires to be in relationship with you. The God of the universe wants to 
dwell with you and desires for you to dwell with him. So how do we tune our lives so that we can hear? That's what we're looking at, adjusting the volume of our lives so that we can be in a great relationship with God. And today we're looking at the idea of prayer and meditation, a key element of our relationship with God. We all need to be majoring in communications with God. And that communication is prayer. For many of us, if we communicated with our spouses the way we communicate with God, we would probably be divorced. Because we don't see the primacy of of conversation with God, with that intimacy with God. But I understand that. Our lives get busy and we forget or don't take time to communicate with God through prayer. So I want us to take a moment this morning to remind us of the gift that God has given us to talk with him and to listen to him. What a gift. What a gift. And what a gift it is to know his voice. That's what I desire for each of us is that we know his voice But it takes practice. And thankfully, we serve a gracious God. He is very gracious. He won't give up on us. Like my wife, God is a patient teacher. Let's pray. God, teach us to pray. Teach us to listen. Teach us to know your voice. And give us persistence and boldness and discipline to not give up and to not let go of you. Open our ears, O God. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. As I said before, all humanity yearns to hear and communicate with God. The disciples of Jesus were no different, and they asked Jesus to teach them to pray. And Luke records this conversation with them. So Jesus was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, Teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And Jesus said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. And do not bring us to the time of trial. This is the framework of what we say each Sunday, the Lord's Prayer. It's Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer. And Jesus is helping instruct his disciples how to pray because he knows that a proper relationship with God is the best way to face life's daily struggles. A proper relationship with God is the best way to face life's daily struggles. And if his disciples can learn how to communicate properly with God, then when life gets chaotic and loud, they can still learn to hear his still, small voice. And what strikes me first about this prayer that Jesus prays for his disciples is how simple it is. It's not that long. It's not that complicated. It's simple. I like simple too often we, we fret over the words we should say or shouldn't say to God and we feel like we have to go all King James when we pray. But God hears the prayers of children and we think it's wonderful, don't we? Well, it's wonderful when you pray. It doesn't matter what you say, how you say it. That's the way God feels about you when you speak to him. 
But there is a proper approach to prayer. And we see it in the first line of the prayer that Jesus says. Father, hallowed be your name. Now some of us stumble, stumble over the word hallowed. We don't use that very often. But all it means is holy. That God's name is holy. And that he should be uh, revered, revered and glorified when we speak to him. We approach with a sense of reverence. Understanding that this is God who we are addressing. And there's a sense right from the beginning, this intimacy and trust as we address God as Father. We are called to have childlike faith and to trust God as a good Father. Now, unfortunately, the term Father for many is a negative term, especially if you grew up with a cold and distant or even worse, an abusive father. But the term father in its proper setting should give you a sense of trust and intimacy and joy and peace and love. If it does not, then you probably didn't have the proper earthly father. So maybe you need to readjust your image there. I I often think of, uh, I fortunately have had a great father. And so the term father doesn't hurt me at all. It's a good good term for me but sometimes I think about you know God might be like a great coach someone in your life who has coached you who you you love and you respect and you want to do good for or a teacher someone who has been intimate in your life that has pushed you and 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 cheered for you when when things weren't going good and and wanted the best from you so use those images that help you understand how you approach God as father So that we can approach him with a childlike faith, like a child who just comes before the Heavenly Father. But we also need to understand he is our Father. We approach with a sense of humility. We are not peers with God. He is God. We are not. There needs to be that sense of reverence, that Hallowed, holy is your name. We come with a sense of respect. We are not communicating with peers, but with the God of the universe. And we have to have that right approach. Humility, but intimacy. And next, we we focus on our request that your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Meditate on that for a moment. Your kingdom come. Not my kingdom come. Not Our nation's kingdom come. Not anybody else's kingdom come. Your kingdom, oh God. It's a longing that we have that this broken world would be made new in Jesus. That his kingdom would indeed come. But it is also a recognition that our future is settled. His kingdom will come. So, it will be made complete. So there's a sense of not yet and, and has been and will, will do. This sense of, please God, your kingdom come, your peace come. And this sense of, God, we know and we have that hope that your kingdom is going to come. It's a statement of hope. As we long for the healing of this broken world, we also long for God's kingdom to be, kingdom to be completely done in our lives. Looking forward to the day when his kingdom will be made completely in us. And then it goes on, give us... Each day our daily bread. A simple statement of recognition of God's provision that he provides. 
All that we have comes from God. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. Isn't that interesting, the way it's phrased? And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. It's a statement of, we are doing this. It's almost a statement of, forgive us the way we are forgiving others. Ooh. (laughs) Better be careful how you pray that one. And God says, you want me to forgive the way you're forgiving? I can do that for you. Sure. That might put in proper perspective how you should forgive. Well, they did too much to me. They damaged me too much. Well, it wasn't good. But if you want forgiveness, God is saying, we have to learn how to be forgiving. It's a powerful statement. It's a powerful statement of grace in this recognition that we are called to live out forgiveness. If you aren't hearing from God, possibly one of the reasons, possibly one of the problems is that you have unforgiveness in your life. Again, God's gracious. We just have to take a step. And as disciples of Jesus, we are called to model what Jesus modeled in forgiveness. And then he finishes, and do not bring us to the time of trial. This phrase is a a plea to God to keep us from temptation. It is a plea for spiritual protection. It's a reminder that we can't do this on our own strength, but that we need God to guide us through life. We must lean on God's protection and grace. It's a simple prayer, but an approach to prayer that recognizes that God is God, that we are in constant need of God, and that he desires to guide us through life. Now, there are so many different ways to pray, but I want you to come away with this reminder that we need to make prayer a constant in our life. We need to make it a rule of life, to be intentional, to make space for it in the midst of our busy lives. And we forget also that a big part of prayer is listening. Listening to how God is moving. And that's what meditation is, just listening. And in meditation, sometimes we're remembering what God has done, And sometimes we're asking questions of God as well. And and that's good. In meditation, we're not so much talking, but listening and remembering. Remembering all that God has done. Remembering his good character. Remembering his grace. And the Psalms constantly remind us to remember God's goodness. To meditate and to listen for his calling. So what's your next step? First, The biggest thing for us is that we have the right approach when we pray. Is that we just approach it with joy. And with that recognition that talking with God is a gift. We get uptight and and we don't approach it with this expectation to hear God. But we need to approach with a sense of expectation. If you need help with prayer, Roman or I would be more than happy to sit down with you and go over resources to guide you. Just put on your Connect card on the back, uh, just put your name and your phone number, and that will cue us that we'll call you and follow up with you to help you with prayer. If you want to do that, that could be your next step. Second, 
Make it a point to pray intentionally every day. Third, meditate on God's promises. This is simple. Your kingdom come. And then listen. And maybe ask yourself the question, what does it mean that your kingdom would come in my life, God? And listen. What would would it mean if your kingdom were to come in our church? And then listen. What would it mean if your kingdom would come in my work? What would it mean if your kingdom would come in the way I treat my spouse? Or hallowed be thy name. God, how am I hallowing your name? How am I glorifying your name? Maybe that's your next step. To learn how to meditate. The problem with learning how to meditate and pray is you actually have to do it to learn it. You can't just think about it or read about it. Fourth, pray with boldness for God to speak to you and to transform you. Approach prayer and meditation with boldness. You do not have because you do not ask. I can't wait for the day as a church, as a body, when someone asks the question, do you want to hear more from God? That we all stand up. That we're not ashamed. That we all understand that, oh gosh, I need to hear more from God. Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to know his voice in every moment of my life. Not just every once in a while. That's my prayer. You do not have because you do not ask. You do not expect. Another way in your next step is corporate prayer. Pray with someone else. And be intentional in praying with someone else. That's a great way to pray. So here's what we're going to do as we close up this part of our service. is We're going to take some time to pray and meditate. I'm going to read our psalm again. And so I just want you to sit there. Uh, BJ's going to play for us as we just pray and meditate. I'm going to read Psalm 77. Hear again this word. I will call to mind the deeds of the Lord. I will remember your wonders of old. I will meditate on all your work and muse on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is so great as our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have displayed your might among the prophets. With your strong arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. When the waters saw you, they were afraid. The very deep troubled. 
clouds poured out water, the skies thunder, your arrows flashed on every side, the crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind, your lightning lit up the world, the earth trembled and shook, your way was through the sea, your path through the mighty waters. Yet your footprints were unseen, you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. God, as I read that, I am reminded again that you are the God who parted the Red Sea. What seas of doubt are in my life, oh God, that I am not letting you move? like the Israelites, oh God, where I have looked around and all I could see is the the waters ahead of me and the army behind me. And I have doubted your power and I've seen no way out. But I still fought against you and wouldn't trust. How can I trust you more, God? Open my heart. that part of the problem is that I do not call to mind your deeds and I forget what you've done and I don't take time to meditate on your work and I get bogged down in myself forgive me God what God is so great as our God a God who is holy and just Father forgive us forgive us when we do not desire you but we desire everything else Father forgive us when we don't make you our top priority when we trust in our own ways and our own strength, forgetting that you're the one who gave us those strengths. God, we need to hear your voice. And so I'm asking this week, God, I'm praying and begging for those who have never heard your voice before. 
Would you open their ears? And would you speak? Thank you, O oh God, for the gift of this moment, of this time that we can pray together and meditate together in you. You are a good and gracious God. We love you and we thank you in your holy name. Amen.